You're listening to Hawk Talk with former Seahawks wide receiver Michael Bumpus. Play fake, going to roll right, dumps it off into the right flat to Michael Bumpus, who bounces off a of one tackler, gets inside the 40 down to the 35-yard line. Powered by Seahawks.com. Matt Pumpfakes looking to the goal line. He throws it into the end zone. Touchdown, Seahawks! It's Michael Bumpus with a diving catch in the end zone. A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus, and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team. Now, here's your host, Nasa Choby. Welcome into another edition of Hawk Talk, the preview edition. The Seahawks taking on the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium on the road. A little Christmas Eve action edition. Thanks for joining us. He's Michael Bumbus. I'm Nasa Choby. The Seahawks coming off a loss last Thursday. Enjoying a little extended bye. Probably shouldn't call it a bye. Days off. Um, and they're getting into this week, back at it, hopefully looking to turn the page, get that bad taste out of their mouth and right the shit because the playoffs are still in contention. We'll tell you about that in a second, but let's get right into it. What's on tap? What's on tap? Kansas City bump, 11-3, first place in the AFC West. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it, man. They're the real deal. I'm, Good football team. I've been trying to find some weaknesses, and I'm still working, and we'll share with you what we found. But this is a good football team. 11-3, and three, big wins, the beat up on Arizona, beat the Chargers twice, Tampa, Vegas. The most impressive win all year was smacking the 49ers, 44-23. Mm-hmm. Since then, the 49ers haven't lost a game, so they've gotten right since that moment, and the Chiefs have kept rolling. They're actually 6-1. and one. They did lose a game to Buffalo and Cincinnati, or two good teams, and kind of a questionable loss to Indy early in the season. But these guys are good. They've won two games recently against Denver and Houston. And one of the few things that stands out to me, Bump, is that they've won a lot of games, but they're not all blowouts. Three-point win over the Titans in overtime. Needed a late fourth-quarter touchdown. Ten-point win over the Jags. Three-point win over the Chargers. 16 points over the Rams without Stafford. Three-point loss to the Bengals. Six-point win to a bad Broncos team that they were blowing out like back in it and then a six-point win over a bad Texans team. So, Bump, I'm saying there's a chance. Tell me why, <laughs> after you saw the Chiefs play the Texans last week, why you think the Seahawks have a chance at this one? Oh, man, if there's a chance, it's, it's turning the football over. The Chiefs have turned that thing over over the past couple of weeks. So uh, let's hope that you get some of that and capitalize on those things. you got to capitalize on them. But let's talk about this Chiefs and Titans game. Excuse me, Chiefs and Texans game. The Texans came into this game one eleven and one. No reason to worry, right? You should never worry about a team with that record, but you are wrong, man. The Texans came out with a 7-0 lead early on 11 plays, 80-yard drive, and you're thinking, okay, man, something might happen right here. But the Chiefs answer with a 7-play, 75-yard drive of their own with Jared McKinnis, 20-yard touchdown, tying the game at 7. Then both teams exchange touchdowns, but the Chiefs would miss an extra point, and the Texans would take a 14-13 lead at halftime. Now, I'm thinking this score can't be right. ESPN has a typo. Something went wrong. Oh, I mean, no question about it. The Texans, man, they're 1-11. But as a lot of people say, Bump, it's the National Football League, and anybody can get it any given weekend. It didn't happen there. Chiefs answer in the second half. You know, kind of go back and forth. Texans score, Chiefs score, back and forth game. Now the Texans kick a field goal. They tied the score at 24 with five minutes left. Chiefs would answer with an 11-play drive, setting up a 51-yard field goal by Harrison Bucker. He would go wide right. They go into overtime. First possession OT. Texans get a huge stop, forcing the Chiefs to punt on the first possession. So you're thinking in Houston, okay, they might yeah. do this thing. Well, 
First play of the next drive, and that's why you're a Texans fan. It's pain. I get it. <laughs> Frank Clark, former Seahawks, forces a fumble on Davis Mills. Before you know it, next play, Jarek McKinnon is in the end zone. Chiefs win, clinching their seventh straight AFC West title. That's pretty impressive, Bob. Yeah, uh, that is impressive. Tough way to lose for the Texans, man. They were in the game, and then the Chiefs is doing what they've done over the past seven years, clinching the division. Pat Mahomes was number, the number 15 we know and love, 36 of 41, 336 yards and two touchdowns, completed 87% of his passes. Woo. I don't think I've seen that ever or just not in a very long time. I just don't remember, but that's impressive. Mm. Also gracious. ran for 33 yards and one touchdown. Isaiah, is it Pacheco? I keep wanting to say, my son asked me how to say his name yesterday. And I'm, I go, him. I'm going with Pacheco, but I'll have you right by Sunday. All right, cool. <laughs> all right. And then, and then I'll relay it to my son because I've been messing him up all week. Uh, he led all running backs with 86 yards on 15 carries. And of course, Travis Kelsey did his thing. He had 10 receptions for 105 yards. Yeah, man, the Chiefs dominate. That's what they do offensively because that's what stands out bumping this head to head. When you look at these two teams, Seahawks and the Chiefs, number one total offense, number one pass offense, number one points per game at 29. They're doing it, man. And that's the thing that jumps out. Obviously, you know Patrick Mahomes. We'll get into all the other guys that match up, that present matchup issues. But they can score that thing, and they're aggressive. You know what I'm saying? Defensively, they're okay. They're not bad at all. 14th, they're in the middle of the league, so they're obviously getting things done. They stopped the run at a pretty high clip. Fifth in the league at that. Pass defense, 22nd. Points per game, giving up 23 game. That's 19th in the NFL. But you mentioned it. They're turning the ball over. The Chiefs have a minus six turnover differential. That's 30th in the NFL. So if there's a if there's a chink in the armor, if there's a way to get to these Chiefs, it's turning that ball over because you look at that offense bump and it makes you scared. Yeah, and I doubt Pat Mahomes is going to complete 87% of his passes again. If he does, be some of the greatest back-to-back performances ever. But I like our secondary when you compare it to the Tekken te- secondary. So, We'll see, man. The Seahawks offensively, they rank 14th overall. Defensively, rank 29th, where the Hawks shine on offense. Points per game, they average 25 points per game. They rank 7th there. Ninth pass, 22nd when it comes to the run. Seahawks defense are 31st against the run, 17th against the pass. So we know that the Chiefs love to throw the, throw the ball. I'm interested to see if they come out and say, let's test this run game like everyone else has been and see if we can loosen it up that way. End of the day, you know they're going to rely on their playmakers like Pat Mahomes. No question about it. And the other thing, lastly, on on the head-to-head is the Seahawks turnover. They're plus one, which is tied for 13th in the NFL. The only problem, Mump, is lately they haven't caused many turnovers, and they've been giving that thing away. The Seahawks have not had a game this year without a giveaway, which is insane because I believe last year there was nine games where they took care of the Rock. So definitely something they're going to need to get done against the Chiefs. But these guys are old AFC West rivals. Let's know the history. Know your history. Chiefs lead the all-time series 33-19 to with many of those, like I said, coming when the Seahawks were members of the AFC West. However, last meeting, primetime showdown on Sunday Night Football at Lumen Field as the Seahawks beat the Chiefs 38-31. It was the first season Patrick Mahomes was a full-time starter, and his rookie year is crazy. I was looking back at his stats from his rookie year's true starting. He threw for yeah. 5,000, 50 touchdowns, 12 picks. Nuts. Goodness gracious. 
And, you know, since then, obviously, he's won a Super Bowl, played in another Super Bowl. He hasn't gotten close to really hitting those numbers. So that was an unbelievable year as a rookie. But in that back-and-forth shootout, Seahawks deliver the final knockout blow. Chris Carson runs over. Daniel Sorensen for a one-yard touchdown, capping off an eight-play, 75-yard drive. Carson had things going that night, 116 yards on 27 carries, two touchdowns. And my guy, Doug Baldwin, went off, 126 yards, seven receptions. And the game really sealing touchdown. Other guys got, got some good work that day, too. Nick Vanette at Dixon. Russell Wilson had a decent day, 18 to 29, 271, three touchdowns. So, Bump, I'm hoping the Seahawks can generate some of that good energy, some of those good vibes, taking on a tough Chiefs team. You know, it's probably going to have to turn into a shootout. I'm hoping it's not up there in the 30s or 40s, but if, if they can do it in that cold weather, it's probably going to need about 30 points to beat these teams. So, but we'll go back to the NFC West, check on what happened this last week. What's the word? Where my soldiers at? Westside! Where my soldiers at? Westside! And the Seahawks are the NFC West champs again. What's the word in the West on Hawk Talk? Niners are at top of the division, sitting pretty at 10 and 4. The Seahawks are 7 and 7. The Cardinals are 4 and 10, and the Rams are 4 and 10 as well. The Niners locked up the division last Thursday against the Seahawks on Thursday night football. But let's look at the division. The Cardinals went up to Denver and uh, the Cardinals, man, they were playing with their backups backup. Colt McCoy was supposed to play. And then uh, that didn't work out. He's out with a concussion. So they bring in their backup backup, but they got the job done 24 to 15. Brett Rippin got the start for the Denver Broncos. Russell Wilson was still dealing with the concussion. That concussion was nasty, man. He, he got up, got scared. a bump on his forehead. Didn't look right. Um, I felt bad for, for Russ in that moment. But um, yeah, you're playing with the backups. Uh, the Broncos got their first one since October. Five games in a row they have lost. Before that, they lost nine of their last 10. They needed this win and they got it done. Rippon was under pressure all day. He got sacked seven times, but managed to do a decent job, man. 21 to 26, 197, one touchdown and one interception. Latavius Murray, man, I haven't seen his name on a stat sheet with numbers like this in a while. 24 carries for 130 and one touchdown. On the other side, the Cardinals started Colt McCoy. He was playing for Kyler Murray, but then he had a concussion in the third. He goes out. Trace McSorley. I looked him up, Nass, at Penn State. He yep. was filthy. He was, he was really good at Penn, Penn State. State. He was. I remember, and he yeah. kind of shot up the draft board at the end and obviously hasn't panned out in the league, but he was a good college player for sure. Yeah. Uh, the Cardinals struggled to get anything going offensively, but were leading 9-3 to three in the third, but three straight touchdowns for the Broncos. Put the game out of reach. I love when I find guys like... Um, like a McSorley that you, you, re you recognize the name. You're like, Hey, where's it come from? And then you go and you see them ball out and seeing all these backups go at it. Uh, it was fun, man. Yeah. And the only reason this game means a dang thing bump is we're thinking about the draft pick. Exactly. So when the Broncos won the invested. game. Mm. So it's not, it's not the end of the world. Seahawks fans, the Seahawks were in position at the number two pick with that win. They've fallen to the number third pick in the 2023 draft. So we'll see. I don't know. One that scares me with the Broncos bump is they're playing the Rams, and the Rams are in all kind of disarray. I'm about to talk about them here in a second. So we'll yeah. see. It's still still going to be good. I still believe that's very easily going to be a top-five pick regardless, so we'll keep you updated there. But the Rams, Monday Night Football, go down to Green Bay, take an L, lose 24-12 on the road. Baker Mayfield had the mojo rocking, rolling, doing his thing in that comeback win on Thursday Night Football last <laughs> week. That luck ran out as they, you know, just couldn't really get it done. They're only down 10-6 at the half, but um, it was all all Packers in the second half. A.J. Dillon, two rushing touchdowns. Aaron Rodgers throws for one. Mayfield goes 12-21 for 111, one touchdown, one pick. 
was sacked five separate times. So, with that loss, the Rams eliminated from the playoffs. Yes, it's the second earliest a defending Super Bowl champion has been eliminated from playoff contention in the last 30 seasons. Only the 99 Broncos were eliminated in Week 14. The difference there is John Elway wins back-to-back Super Bowls, then retires, so they finished 6-10 that year. But Rams... Obviously not making it back. A lot of guys are out, and that's kind of what's caught up to them. Aaron Donald, Stafford, Cup, you name it, they're not playing. But why does this impact the Seahawks, you ask, Bump? I didn't even think about this really until pregame of that game yesterday. Because believe it or not, the Packers aren't done. If they win out, they will be 9-8, and and they will be right there in the thick of it. So they do have a tough schedule, Dolphins, Vikings, Lions. But if they won out, and let's say the Seahawks only win two of their next three, the Packers would hold the tiebreaker. And here's what Seahawks fans really need to understand and know here. What really hurt about losing all those games in the NFC South, of course, you don't want to lose games at all, right? But the fact that they were in the NFC, because when he goes to the wild card, the tiebreakers are head-to-head, then conference record. And those were four losses in the NFC. The Seahawks are 5-6 and six in conference. And they only have one more conference game remaining. So the best they can do is six and six. So that's why those really hurt. But, Bump, you can take us through this playoff picture because the Seahawks still do have a chance. Yeah, they still got a chance. They're sitting outside looking at the Washington Commanders. They're seven and six. The Hawks are seven and seven behind them. You mentioned the Green Bay Packers, but right behind them, you have the Detroit Lions. And um, the Lions are hot right now, too. That's another thing I want to point out. The Lions are playing good football. Green Bay's bouncing back. This is going to be a race to the finish when we look at the uh, the playoff situation. But here's a look at what each each one of those teams still have left, right? We're talking about the New York Giants. They still got Minnesota, Indianapolis, and Philly. I look at Minnesota, and I, I'm watching their comeback win this past weekend. They're flying high. They're feeling good. Indianapolis, I feel like they're in disarray. And then at Philly, we all know how we feel about Philly. I think they're the most balanced team in the league. I see I see maybe one win out of those three with New York, guys. One win. Yeah, the only thing that scares me is Philly in Week 18. Are they going to be resting, guys? Yeah. And that's why I was hoping, you know, if Jalen Hurts, I'm not hoping for any injury, but he might not play this week. Gardner Minshew, your guy, Go Cougs, is going to be playing, it looks like. But if they have no one to play for, that's what scares me there. Washington, I think this is the Seahawks' best chance. Washington plays San Fran. That's an L. That's a loss. Um, They got Cleveland. That's a big toss-up. And then Dallas. I would hope the Eagles will lose a couple, so Dallas is still playing for something because – they win the division, then they can only get the highest wild card, which is five. So what needs to happen is that Cleveland game is going to be a lot for the Seahawks. Obviously, the Seahawks could win out, but for Washington, I believe that's the best chance for the Seahawks to get that, that seven spot as they jump Washington, and it's the commanders losing two of those three. This team scares me the most, or this scenario, this situation, the Detroit Lions, man. They play Carolina, Chicago, and Green Bay. Now, after yesterday, I feel a little bit, stronger about green bay but these are all three games that the lions could win i can see them going out and going three you know the upshot of all this is that seattle may have a lot of trouble catching up to the giants but could have something of an edge on washington so it's uh it's you're watching the giants you're watching washington you're watching detroit every weekend to figure out what's going to happen here 
No question. And who who would have thought that week four win or whatever it was against Detroit was going to be such a big win for the Seahawks? Crucial. <laughs> I mean, Dan Campbell got them boys playing. But, hey, pay attention. Bump said it. New York, Washington, Detroit, and I guess a quasi-eye on, on Green Bay when you're talking about this playoff picture. But it comes down to what the Seahawks can do on the field. They have three games. Everyone out in their moms is essentially giving Kansas City this win. We're going to go through these matchups and tell you why the Seahawks might have a chance. But I'm not going to sugarcoat it. These Chiefs are very good. Let's get into those matchups. Man up. Hey, who man's is this? Who man's is this? Man up, man up, man up on Hawk Talk. Starting with the quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. Nowhere else to start. This man is a real deal. He's the best QB in the National Football League, in my opinion, and the stats back that up. He leads the NFL in passing yards with 4,496. 477 yards ahead of Justin Herbert, who's number two. He leads the league in touchdowns with 35, sixth in completion percentage, third in yards per attempt, third in QB rating. He's also the leader of the NFL's number one offense, number one passing offense. The Chiefs lead the NFL in points per game. He's on the year 372 for 552, 4,496, 35 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, sacked 23 times. Also the second leading rusher on the team with 313 yards on 52 carries and three touchdowns. And Rich in our PR department gave me this stat just before I walked in here. He's also chasing history this week. Mahomes enters the game with an active streak of 20 completions in a row. The NFL record is 25 held by four players. So we're hoping, you know, Tariq Woolen gets a nice PBU on the first play of the game when the first side to throw that thing so Mahomes doesn't get any of that history. But Bump, when you look at the film, man, these guys are good. Mahomes can make all the throws, all the sports center top tens. The defense is going to face their biggest challenge of the year. On paper, it looks like they want to throw that thing. And the only real knock, as we mentioned, is turnover differential. They're minus six. Only the Colts and the Saints have a worse differential at minus 12. They also have given the ball away 21 times. Only four teams have more than that. So Mahomes doesn't have any weaknesses in his game. If you want to maybe see the one, it's the team turning the ball over, but the defense is going to have their hands full with Patrick for sure. Yeah, man, this is what he does. Best quarterback in the league right now for a reason. He will put up points and put them in position to win. Let's talk about our quarterback, uh, Geno versus Chiefs defense, man. He played the number one defense in the land last Thursday, and he did all right, man. 31 of 44, 238 in one touchdown Thursday was Geno's fourth game this season with a passer rating less than 99. So clearly we knew what these guys were up against defensively against the Niners. They made it tough on him and his streak of multiple touchdowns and seven straight games came to an end against the Niners as well. He has 26 touchdowns. That's a career high on the season. He remains the leader when it comes to completion percentage, 71.4%. He's set seventh in passing yards, fourth in touchdowns, second in passer rating, fifth in QBR. Needless to say, this guy is still putting together a good season. I expect him to be in the Pro Bowl this year. We shall see. Uh, on the year, I mentioned his numbers, 33, excuse me, 337 of 472 for 3,671 yards, 26 touchdowns, eight interceptions. He runs the ball decently, too. I didn't know Geno had a little bit of, a little bit of stride in him. A little bit of burst. He has yeah, a little burst. He's got 56 scares for 281 and one touchdown. Defensively, the Chiefs are 14th in the league, allowing 332 yards. Not bad, not good, but they got some names over there that you recognize um, against the passer, ranked 21st. So it's really all about Geno taking care of the ball and being the guy we think he is. And it's going to be tough. It's going to be cold. It's going to be windy. We shall see. But um, good numbers against a decent defense with some guys who can make some plays. 
Yeah, we're going to need Geno to be on it because I think this team's going to have to be flying on all cylinders on offense, score a lot of points, and it starts with Geno. Looking at the Chiefs running attack, Isaiah Pacheco versus the Seahawks front seven. Obviously, I mentioned earlier, when you think about the Chiefs, you don't think about the run game. But they're, they're not bad. They're 16th in the NFL, so about middle of the pack, averaging 119 yards per game. Leading the attack this year is Pacheco, the rookie in his first season out of Rutgers on the year, 139 carries, 677 yards, three touchdowns, not used very much in the passing game, only has 10 receptions for 80 yards. And the Chiefs' leading rusher in 2020 and their second leading rusher in 21 was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He came into the season a starter but lost his job and most of his playing time to Pacheco. Then to make things worse, Edwards-Hilaire suffers a high ankle sprain, goes to IR at the end of November. Now, the other healthy running back they have in that stable is Jarek McKinnon, 63 carries, 274, and a touchdown. He's also effective pass catcher with 46 receptions, 429, five touchdowns. Big week last week against the Texans, 122 total yards, two touchdowns. Now, it's no secret, Seahawks have struggled to stop the run. Over the last five weeks, the Seahawks have allowed 1,008 yards rushing, 161 to the Bucks, 283 to the Raiders, 171 to the Rams, 223 to the Panthers, and 170 to the 49ers. That's an average of 201. Obviously, we know that's not good enough. Things did feel a lot better last week, though. I'll say that. Outside of the last run, which I know you can't eliminate, but before that, they held the Niners for 115 yards on 33 carries. Still need to improve, but I think this could be the week on the season. The Hawks are 31st in rushing defense, giving up 161 a game. So, I mean, this needs to get stopped here, especially with everything that they can do. The running game also can't kill you because if the Chiefs are two-dimensional, it could be a long day on defense. And you know they're going to try. You have to try. Yeah. <laughs> you have to give it a go and see what happens there. Uh, the secondary and linebackers are going to have their hands full as well. You got Travis Kelsey, Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez, Valdez, Scantlin, all ready to go for the Chiefs. They got the best passing attack in the game, no doubt about it. And that's even after losing Tyreek Hill, who had 1,529 yards. Uh, he's having a good year over there in Miami, too. He just keeps the party going. But the Chiefs still got some guys, man. Travis Kelsey, the best pass catching tight end in the league. He's got... 91 receptions, Ooh. 1,144 yards, and 12 touchdowns. 91 receptions. That's wild. Uh, his 1,144 receiving yards is six in the NFL. And, of course, first amongst tight ends by a wide margin. Hawkinson, who made the move from Minnesota, from Denver to Minnesota, Detroit to Minnesota, has had himself a good year, 730 yards. But Kelsey is on a different level, man. It's uh, And it, it's funny watching Kelsey because you see him move and he doesn't seem like an explosive player. He just has a great feel for the game, man. And his run after the catch is sneaky as, mm. sneaky as well. So it's um, he's a tough one, but they got another threat, Juju Smith-Schuster. He's got 71 quiet receptions for 850 and three touchdowns. He's the team's second leading receiver. And Marquez Valdez, this was a great, great pickup. And another threat, he has 37 receptions for 632 into touchdowns. This is going to be a test for these guys on all levels. You got a tight end. You got two receivers who can get it done. You mentioned they're, they're running back as well. So uh, the Hawks are 17th against the pass this year. So let, let's look like number 10 or 12. I'm hoping so, man, because Kelsey, seven straight 1,000-yard seasons, 91 receptions as a tight end. And when you watch the film, I watched them play the Rams earlier this year. He just put Jalen Ramsey in a blender. And I'm like, how is a guy his size, when you watch him, like, Crazy. how is he getting open? How is it doesn't matter how he's getting open. He just does it. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, in my opinion, when he gets yep. there. I mean, it's it's going to be tough, but I, 
this is the first time in over a month that we're we're looking at the pass game. And I think Tariq, Mike Jackson, Quandre Diggs are up to the challenge. And I, I would love to see them get their opportunity to really show what they can do in the secondary to try to create some turnovers because we are going to need that for show. Now, Seahawks offensive line, the little matchup I'm looking at is them looking going against Chris Jones, Frank Clark, and Carlos Dunlap. So the Chiefs, their defense is about middle of the pack, but they get after the quarterback. They're fourth in the NFL in sacks with 43. They're also fifth in QB pressures with 151. Leading the charge for those Chiefs is defensive tackle Chris Jones. On the season, Jones has 32 tackles, 11 sacks, 12 TFLs, four passes defended, two forced fumbles. His 11 sacks leads the team. So he's doing it from an interior position, which is crazy to see. He's been doing it for a long time now. He's not a new name out there. The other two guys you've got, Frank Clark, Carlos Dunlap, obviously spent time in Seattle. Frank Clark, who the Seahawks drafted, he's having a decent year. 32 tackles, five sacks, six TFLs. Then you got Carlos Dunlap, who last year still led the team in sacks. He didn't play a lot. There's some you know consternation about that. He obviously leaves, goes to Kansas City. And he got his 100th sack of his career, so Big ups, Carlos Dunlap. Always enjoyed our conversations in the locker room. He's a good dude. 36 tackles on the year, four sacks, five TFLs. In his one and a half years with Seattle, he had 13 sacks and 35 tackles. Frank Clark, in his four years, had 35 sacks and 35 TFLs. So, Bump, the one thing I'll say, the offensive line has played so well this year. And I would say recently they've struggled a little bit at times, keeping Geno clean. You know, in the, first, in the last five weeks, they've allowed 16 sacks. They allowed 21 in the previous nine games. So they need to play their best game of the year for sure because to score points, Geno's going to need a, a tighter pocket than he had against the 49ers. Yeah, for sure. O-line's going to have to step up. It's going to be nice to uh, see our guys over there, Frank Clark and Dunlap, but uh, not don't play too well this Saturday. Please, this next matchup, we got DK and Marquise Goodwin going up against this Chiefs secondary Legere Sneed and Trent McDuffie as well as Joshua Adams. McDuffie went where, Nass? The University of Washington. I'm going to let you say that, not bum, me. Yeah, bum, you can say that. Bum, bum. <laughs> All right, well, uh, DK, man, he's getting closer to his second 1,000-yard season on the year. He's got 79 receptions, 924 yards, and six touchdowns. He is the fifth player in NFL history to have 50-plus receptions and nine-plus yards, plus five-plus touchdowns in his first four seasons. DK Metcalf is the guy, and he's going to have to be the guy because we're trying to see who's going to step in for Tyler Lockett. He is going to be out. He's missed one regular season game uh, since 2016 because of injury. He broke his leg that year. Missed two playoff games as well. Um, Tyler Lockett just plays football. Right? Yeah. That's what he does. So it's going to be weird not having him out there. So with him being absent, I would expect the tight ends to get a bit more involved and hand the ball off and screen to Ken Walker. Noah Fant is the third leading receiver in this team. He's having a good season, too. 42 receptions for 414 and three touchdowns. This is the guy I expect to step up in Tyler Lockett's absence. It's Marquise Goodwin. 27 receptions, 387, and four touchdowns. You you hear those numbers, and you say, why him? Because you see his receptions. They're big-time receptions. Had a great game in Tampa. Um, big plays on third downs. A fourth down pickup as well. He's a veteran. He's a guy that I see... Um, being able to step into that role and fill a void along with Noah Fan. Yeah, we're going to need him to get your track shoes out because he can run. We know that he can run with the best of them, you know, Olympic quality speed. And we're hoping to see Marquise get really involved because, like you said, you can't replace Tyler. And Tyler's hoping, you know, he had a great surgery. Coach, Tyler, everyone's hoping that he might be back for that jet game on New Year's Day. So we'll see. In the meantime, we'll need to see more from Marquise Goodwin. 
Uh, Treadwell has been promoted to the rest of the year to the 53-man roster, so he'll get a couple opportunities. Dariq Young is also in that receiving core. But I think you're correct. The thing's going to come down to Marquise and Noah Fant. So we've gone through all the matchups. We've told you who their guys are. We know the Chiefs are good. But me and Bump are going to tell you how the Seahawks can get that victory, path to victory. At the 45, waits for the snap. Michael Dixon puts it down. That kick is away. And that kick is good! The Seahawks win! It's good! It's a path to victory on Hawk Talk. Slow down that number one offense, Bump. Patching Mahomes, he's going to put up his numbers. We know that. That's a fact. Book it. But one way to slow him down is pressure and turnovers. The Hawks have been thin up the defensive line, so we'll see what happens without Woods and the rest of the guys up front. But they're going to need to generate pressure. The Chiefs have the third worst turnover differential in the NFL, and they're going to need to be a factor in, in slowing down Patrick Mahomes if the Seahawks want to win this ballgame. Say it every week. Every uh... – is it every week? That, yeah, every every week this year. Stop the run, man. That's football for you. You can stop the run. Uh, you can control the game. And we know that the Hawks have struggled a little bit. And just don't allow a team that doesn't really run the football to do that. And they're running enough. They would average 119 on the ground. Mm-hmm. Not great, not horrible. Enough to uh, to keep you honest. So let's uh, let's change things up this game and stop the run. And then also just know where Travis Kelsey is, a.k.a. 87. Know where he is. The whole time he's a matchup nightmare. I wonder if Ryan Neal, he's a little banged up. See if he's healthy, how he's going to play him. If Quandre plays him, he's uh, it's going to be tough, man. So watch 87. Stop the run. I hope you're right. Bump. That's definitely going to be a key to victory for sure. And we got to score points, man. This game, I think you're probably going to need to score 35. And to do that, Gino is going to need to play his best game of the season. He's had a couple struggles as of late, but he's also done a lot of really good things. And he's not going to have Tyler Lockett. So who steps up? We know DK hopefully gets a step up. More 13 personnel. More Marquise Goodwin. More Geno just taking what the defense has given him. But also making plays down the field like what he's done. He's done it with his legs. He's done it with accurate passing. So he needs to get back to everything he's done this year. And I, I, I think he is ready for the challenge. It's Christmas Eve. Anything can happen. The Texans, no one gave the Texans a shot last week. And they took him to overtime. Right. So anything can happen. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to start offensively with Geno Smith. Run the ball. All right. I said, stop the run. Now we have to run. Ken Walker needs to have his hands all over this game. He's at least 20 carries. I say 25 touches, 20 carries plus five receptions. Use this young man and then do better job, do a better job converting on third downs. At one point, the Hawks were top three in the league when it came to third down conversions. Uh, They dropped a bit. Still one of the better teams, but as of late, it hasn't been that great. Third downs, keep the chains moving. That's a skit. That's a recipe. That's what we need to do. Nobody's giving the Hawks a chance this week. They can shock the world, but they're not going to shock anybody in the Virginia Mason Athletic Center because they believe they can do it because they have the guys to get it done. So let's keep the playoff hopes alive. They got nothing to lose. Let's get it done on Christmas Eve against the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll get going at 7 a.m. on the radio. Holy smokes. Back to another early game kickoff at 10 a.m. right there on Seattle Sports Station 710 and Cairo News Radio 97.3 FM. Reminder, you can catch us anywhere on this podcast, Seahawks.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Series XM, and more. He's Michael Bumpus of Nasa Chobie. That's been Hawk Talk Preview Edition, getting you ready for Christmas Eve against the Kansas City Chiefs. Hopefully, we'll be talking to you after Christmas on Monday about a Seahawks victory. Until then, he's Bump. I'm Nas. We'll be back to you next week. <laughs>